Genesis chapter 12, we'll be looking at verses 10 through 20. Um, Abraham is still Abram. He hasn't had his name changed yet. He has been called out of the land of Ur. He has now journeyed south. He stopped in Shechem of Cana, and he's built an altar there to the Lord. And he sacrifices to God. God is pleased with Abram's sacrifice, and God appears to Abram, and he gives him a promise. He says, Abram, your descendants, I give this land to Canaan too, or what we would call modern-day Israel, and God gives it to Israel. That should settle the issue right there, shouldn't it? God has given Israel their land. And in the first nine verses of chapter 12, we have God blessing Abram, giving him and his descendants the land of Canaan. But Abram and Sarah still have no children. And in chapter 15, Abram, he'll, he'll remind God of this, that, hey, God, uh, I still don't have any kids, <laughs> just in case you've forgotten, Lord. You ever do that? You ever remind God of his promises to you? God, your word says, and then we give our favorite little verse. Uh, I do that. I, I assume you do it also, so don't tell me if you don't. But anyway, Abraham, Abram has built an altar a place of worship, and it begs to ask us, where is our place of worship? I hope it's more than this metal building that we're in. But in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we're told about an altar there. And let me read those two verses to you. And it's Apostle Paul writing, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The Apostle Paul, he beseeches us. That's a, almost a pleading by Paul to consider that our bodies belong to God. You know, we no longer kill animals. Lambs are no longer sacrificed, even by the Jewish people. But we're to present our bodies as that living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable, because it is our reasonable service. You know, as believers, we are separated to God, unto God. We're to no longer live a life, if it feels good, do it. <laughs> that seems to be uh, the dominant thought in our culture today. If it feels good and I'm not harming anybody, why not do it? We hear things like, why do you Christians care uh, what I'm doing as long as I'm not hurting anybody? 
and we hear things like same-sex marriages, well, they, they don't really hurt anybody. Or, you know, legalize marijuana. What's wrong with getting high? As a society, though, many people resist any restrictions on what they call their pleasures. This was startling to me. I just heard in the last few days that the San Francisco City Council just voted six to five against nudity in all public places. Six to five. They were one vote away from legalizing nudity in the public parks and everything else. Lovely San Francisco. <laughs> But God's word tells us we're to live a holy life, acceptable to him. We're not to be conformed to this world in its sinful behavior because Jesus came and he died on the cross to save us from our sins and really the punishment of our sins. Living a life of sin is to live a life of regret. We have a higher call upon our lives as believers. We're not to indulge in sinful indulgence just because it's pleasing to the flesh. God separated Abram. He told him to leave the land of Ur. And Ur happened to be a area, a, a part of Babylon area, where idol worship was rampant. God told him, get out of there. Leave it. And he begins to separate Abram to himself. And Abram is brought down to the land of Canaan. And it gives Abram a fresh start in a new land, a new environment. Abram has left behind the folly of idol worship. And now Abram, he's down in Canaan, and he's trying to now create a new life of purpose before God. But then we're going to read this morning where he goes on down to Egypt. <laughs> so Abram, he made a lot of mistakes, and Scripture doesn't hide them from us. So let's read Genesis chapter 12, 10 through 20. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. And it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarah, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say you are my sister, that I might dwell, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. So it was when Abram came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman, that she was very beautiful. And the princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. And he treated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh. 
and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go your way. So Pharaoh commended, uh, commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Abram fails his first test of faith. The first thing we read about Abram, once he's in the land of Canaan, right where he belongs now, right where God has called him, he makes an excuse to go down to Egypt. Egypt in Scripture is a typology of sin. Whenever you read of Egypt, realize it's representing sin. God has called Abram to Canaan, not Egypt. But what was Aaron to do? There's a severe famine in Canaan, and it's probably brought about by a severe drought. They go hand in hand. After all, God has not told Aaron not to go to Egypt, <laughs> but God did say, go to Canaan. You know, we're very adept at making excuses and adding to and taking away uh, from God's word and God's command to us. Abram probably thinks, I've got to go down to Egypt because the famine is severe here in Canaan. Now, you've heard me say this before, but it bears repeating. Ease or difficulty never determine God's will for our life. Circumstance are never to be the criteria for us determining God's will for our life. Hard times, difficult situation, they only give us an opportunity to stand up and do what is right. Now it's easy. I can understand why Abram went down to Egypt. But do not think for a moment Going to Egypt was anything but disobedience. Pure, simple disobedience. All we have to do is look at Abram's lies to his family to maneuver around the truth with Sarah. No doubt he's saying to Sarah, you're a beautiful woman. So when we get to Egypt, my darling wife... Tell people you're my sister. <laughs> and he caps it off by saying, so things will be well for me. Now, Sarah's only 65 years old when Abram says this to her. She's right in the prime of life. <laughs> Consider, Abram is willing to put Sarah at risk sexually for his own benefit. Abram is afraid of the Egyptians that will want to kill him to take his wife. But how about Sarah, Abram? What about her? 
Abram is willing to risk Sarah's life so he can live in the land of plenty, that was Egypt, and receive, and he does receive, gifts from Pharaoh because of Sarah. Consider Sarah's feelings for a moment. She has just been betrayed by her husband. Abram has shown cowardice. He's been disobedient, and no doubt this has driven a wedge of resentment into Sarah's heart. My husband just sold me out. Her respect for Abram has suffered a severe blow. Abram has introduced deception and insecurity into his wife's life. I think Sarah will probably doubt for the rest of, well, for a lot of years anyway, Abram's intentions towards her. Does he really love me? Is he really concerned about me at all? A clue to us men. A woman, a wife, we, they need to feel loved and they need to be secure. And it's our job to do that for them. Abram's disobedience, his, his willingness to lie has done much harm to his relationship and in his marriage. This conniving side of Abram and Abram is a man who's called of God. It's been brought about by Abram simply trying to avoid a difficult situation. There's a drought in Canaan. Let's go to Egypt. Now, difficulties come into every life. You will not get through life without difficulties coming upon you. It's just a fact. To avoid hard times, Abram will go down to the sinful land of plenty, Egypt. Hard times, economic depressions or recessions, they should have an effect on our lives, and that should cause us to evaluate everything in our lives and make hard decisions. If you need to cut back, cut back. They can be a good thing. Uh, economic hard times can make us consider what's really important. Hard times bring forth growth and maturity in our life as Christians. It's difficult, but you try to embrace a hard time. What is God trying to teach me through this whole uh conditions of the world and all that's going on. What is God trying to say to me? But Abram, his family, his servants, and his herds, and all his animals, they arrive in Egypt, and Abraham, or Abram, I should call him, he, he has thought it through, and it's exactly like he thought it through, because the princes of Egypt, they do find Sarah very beautiful, and these princes recommend to Pharaoh that he take Sarah into his harem. 
But as soon as Sarah enters Pharaoh's harem, the plagues come. Pharaoh notices this. <laughs> and he, he begins to investigate, why are these plagues coming into my home, into my house? And Pharaoh discovers it's because Sarah is Abram's wife. So Pharaoh calls Abram on the carpet. Come on in here, Abram. We're going to have a little sit down. <laughs> and when a supposedly righteous man is required to give an account for his sinful behavior before an evil king, that's a sad day in the life of believers. All of God's people, all of us suffer shame and reproach when any Christian leader falls or is found guilty of sin. We all suffer a little bit when that happens. We want to think that sin can be done in secret, but it is usually shouted from the housetop. It catches up to us. How would any Christian, how would any of us like to be chastised by an evil person of authority? That's a slap in the face. Listen to Pharaoh's questions to Abram. What is this that you have done to me? You sinned against me, Abram. Pharaoh takes the lies of Abram personally. Sin is not ambiguous. It is not just out there and with no consequences. Sin is personal. Pharaoh considers Abram's lies personal to him. Now, to the Egyptians' credit, if you took another man's life, that was completely unacceptable, and it was like Abram said, they're going to kill me for you. Remember Joseph? He's working for Potiphar. Potiphar's wife comes on to him falsely accuses Joseph of trying to seduce her. What's Potiphar's reaction? Immediately he puts Joseph in prison. You don't do that here in Egypt. You don't take another man's wife. You don't seduce a man's wife. And so Potiphar put Joseph in prison. Pharaoh recognizes Abram's sin. After all, the plagues have come upon his house. Pharaoh continues to ask Abram, Why did you tell me Sarah was your sister? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Now, Pharaoh, this evil king, this sinful king, wants to know why this man of God has lied to him. Because Pharaoh has not bought into the half-truth that Sarah is Abram's sister. Because Abram, with premeditation, has lied to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh knows it. And again, that's a sad and shameful time when the evil world has to instruct God's people as to what a lie is. Or what sin is. We can understand to a degree 
why Abram lies, I think there's two things that clouded Abram's mind and his uh, thinking. One, he wants to try to escape the severe famine there in the land because Abram, like you and I, he is afraid of economic collapse. Have you heard of the cliff, the economic cliff coming next month? <laughs> we all have. <laughs> Abram is afraid, so he goes down to Egypt. Abram has no grass. He has no food for his herds or his family. And he's afraid of losing his wealthy lifestyle. And Abram is acquiring wealth by now. And the question is, are we as Americans, are we caught up in fear, economic collapse coming, especially after the latest elections? What a timely verse to be reading. Does that frighten you? There happens to be a, a popular new type of program on TV, Doomsdayer Preppers. Have you watched it? <laughs> it's a program that shows these different families and their fear of economic or government collapse. And so these doomsdayers, they hoard food and supplies. Many go and they build a, a underground survival houses or shelters or whatever, and they arm themselves with weapons and thousands of rounds of ammunition so they can kill anybody that wants their food. Do you see anything wrong with that picture? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> the point is these doomsdayers are reacting from fear. Simple fear. There is a hard and fast principle of Scripture, and it is never allow fear to guide or influence your decisions. We're to make decisions based on faith in God's Word. Jesus constantly was telling his disciples, fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid, guys. Abram is afraid that he will be killed by some Egyptian that wants Sarah for his wife. Now, this doesn't apply, and country western songs are not scripture, but there is a good country western song that says, never make a pretty woman your wife. Abram should have listened to that. He wouldn't have had these problems. <laughs> Moving right along. Out of fear, Abram conjures up this lie for Sarah to tell anybody that will ask, tell them that I'm your brother. That is not a half-truth. That is a complete lie. <laughs> a lie is simply when you lead someone to believe something untrue. I can say complete words of truth, but if I'm leading you to believe a lie, I have lied to you. A lie can be simply withholding information. A lie can be giving partial truths, as with Abram. 
In fact, it's said that a good lie has a lot of truth in it. I don't know if you can call it a lie good, but anyway. Abram, he's told by Pharaoh that he must now leave Egypt. The area God did not want Abram in to begin with. Abram went down there, and now he has the Pharaoh tell him, get out of my country. I have strong convictions that the United States and the rest of the world is in for hard economic times. It's just, you know, don't call me a prophet. I mean, just look around. But as a pastor, as someone who studies God's words, I want to assure you that God is faithful. God is worthy of our trust. He's worthy of our allegiance. Don't ever compromise your faith in any way because of fear of the future. We are to be wise, good stewards of what God gives us. That's a given. So I recommend prayerfully consider how you prepare for your future. Make it an issue of prayer. Uh, we always want to be praying about how we're preparing for our future. God will lead you in what you're supposed to do. Back when the tornadoes hit, about a, what, almost two years ago, I said something like, it would be nice if you had a little food on hand in case something happened. And this is after I had been down to Katrina and saw what a hurricane can do. But I think there are some things that you should do that are practical. I don't think we should hoard food or anything else, ammo, guns. No, I don't think we should hoard those. But I think you should have probably a one-week supply on hand. We lost power here in the Huntsville area for a week. And a lot of people went through difficult times for one week, just till power got restored and so forth. So I recommend, this is Don Hawkins, this is not scripture. <laughs> I recommend you have a, a little bit of cash on hand. Because when the gas stations start selling gas, they don't sell it on credit card, they sell it on by cash. Have some cash on hand. Have a week or so supply of food and water. Have a way to cook that food like a little camp stove or, or some way to cook that food. Uh, maybe a generator and have a little gasoline for that generator. Many people never let their cars get below a half a tank of gas. There are some practical things to do to prepare yourself for emergencies. And that's far as I will dare take it. I don't take it any further than that. If I have food, and you know I have food, and you come and you need food, guess what you're going to get? Food. If I've got it, you're going to get it. I'm not going to shoot you because you're hungry. <laughs> you know, I can't understand that thinking. But we are to be wise, and we're to be good stewards. And again, God is worthy 
of our trust and faith in him. David in the psalm says, I was young and now I am old, yet have I seen the righteous forsaken or his seed, his children, begging bread. God will take care of us. He's a good father. Let's close with that. Amen. Let me get you to stand. Father, we want to be known as men and women of faith. Lord, we, we do not put our hope, we do not put our trust in politicians. Our hope and trust is in you. You have shown yourself to be a good God. You have shown us time and again how much you love us. And so, Lord, we want to be wise stewards of what you give us, but we all also want to be living and trusting in you, Lord. So we look to you to take care of us. Be with us, Lord. Help us to be faithful stewards of the things that pass through our hands, Lord. But above all, let us be men and women of faith in you, our loving Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for taking care of us. And so we put our future in your hands, the hands of a loving God. And we thank you again for your goodness to us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.